This check-in episode is a short edition of our Recovery Room podcast in which we answer a caller's question. To submit your own question, simply call our question hotline at 407-536-7398. For more information, go to affairhealing.com slash ask. Affairhealing.com welcomes you to another check-in with Tim Tedder. To access the downloads and links related to this podcast, go to affairhealing.com slash podcast 403. Yeah, it's been a little over three years since my husband's affair was discovered. It went on for many years. We've been working, trying to work through it, and he says he loves me, but our sex life is not near what it should be. Lately, um, it's just getting longer and longer in between. Even though he does kiss me and hug me every day, the true affection isn't there anymore. He says that he loves me, and I told him we've had discussions about the lack of attention. And he doesn't know why. It hurts me that I feel neglected and I guess I just don't know if I should continue in the marriage or walk away. I know you can't answer that question. That's up to me. But I just want to know if there's other people that have experienced the same thing, the lack of sex after an affair. This is a great question that raises an issue faced by many couples following an affair. Fully addressing the subject would take a lot of time. But let me review some of the main points that are important to consider for any of you who are faced with this dilemma. I'll address four issues. First of all, the obstacles to sexual connection after an affair. The steps that the injured partner or betrayed partner can take. The steps that the involved or unfaithful partner can take. And then suggested steps for couples to take together. But before we consider those issues, let me start with one caveat. If there is any question at all in regards to sexual activity with an affair partner, the injured spouse, the betrayed partner, should insist on testing for sexually transmitted diseases. This is not a time to make assumptions or to put your health at risk. So I just want that to be understood in the context of everything that we're going to talk about in this podcast. First of all, Obstacles to Sexual Connection After an Affair Let me mention four of the obstacles that we typically see. The first obstacle, sexual comparisons that are made by either partner. The betrayed partner often struggles with a sense of inadequacy or unworthiness because they assume that there must be something about them that is less desirable, less wanted, even sexually, than their partner had with the affair partner. This sexual insecurity in the context of broken trust can make it very difficult for the betrayed partner to engage in such an intimate act. Now, we know this isn't always true. For some couples, there is a quick move to more sex in the relationship in an attempt to readjust or secure the bond that they have together. That sometimes happens. But more often than not, 
the betrayed spouse is very reluctant to enter such a vulnerable and intimate space. The involved or unfaithful partner can also sometimes struggle with this sense of sexual comparison. Because in many sexual affairs, the intensity of the sexual experience is spiked in ways that a marriage has no hope of competing against. And it's not because there is such unique desirability or compatibility with the affair partner, although in the middle of the affair, that's what the involved spouse will often tell themselves. The experience of the connection usually has much more to do with two things. First of all, that limerence phase that is experienced at the beginning of any new relationship. And secondly, the secrecy of the relationship intensifies the experience in the brain. Not every involved partner struggles with this comparison, but some do. And the solution isn't just pretending that doesn't exist, but acknowledging it to themselves and possibly with a counselor who can help them process through that. The second significant obstacle can be the triggers due to known details about the affair. Once certain details are known, especially about sexual involvement between the involved partner and the affair partner, it becomes more difficult, especially for the betrayed partner, to experience those same normal sexual experiences within the context of their marriage or committed relationship, even if previously those things had been freely experienced and enjoyed together. Third obstacle, prior sexual dysfunction in the marriage. If before the affair there was already dissatisfying sexual connection being experienced by the couple, it is unrealistic to expect that on the other side of betrayal, that's suddenly going to change. If sex was a source of conflict before in their relationship, then it's likely to be a source of conflict after the affair. And if the involved partner has a history of using sex as a substitute for true intimacy in the marriage... That was likely part of their vulnerability to having an affair in the first place, and that doesn't magically change on the other side of discovery or disclosure. The fourth obstacle to sexual connection that I'll mention in this podcast is a personal history of sexual trauma or dysfunction in the injured spouse that has now been newly agitated by the betrayal of the affair. If there are issues in the injured party's past the pain of those injuries are likely to be stirred up by this new pain in their lives, compounding the problem of sexual connection in their relationship. So those are four major obstacles. We could mention others, but, but let me go with those because those are the ones most commonly experienced by couples. Let me suggest some of the steps that you can take for healing in your sexual relationship. And I'll start with steps for the injured partner to take. First of all, if you don't know already, avoid the sexual details of the affair. Nearly every week I have a couple sitting in my office and the betrayed partner, having just recently found out about the affair, is desperate to understand what happened. Typically, the desire for understanding means not only do I need to know whether or not sex was involved, but I want to know everything that was done. I want to know places, times. I want to know a level of detail because my curiosity is probably worse than reality, so I need to hear it so I can settle down. The fact is, the sexual details will do more damage than good. And I could give you testimonies of men and women who fought for the details and six months and six years down the road cannot erase the mental images that are now firmly implanted in their mind. 
You see, your curiosity, your imagination is going wild. But as healing takes place, that can dissipate. It's a collection of ideas, of possibilities, without any firm root in understood reality. But once you know the reality, and once you can form those images in your mind, they become more firmly implanted and will get in the way of even healthy sexual connection in your future. So, if you haven't already asked, certainly ask the general information about sexual involvement. Did you have intercourse? How far sexually did you go? But the more you can avoid the details that promote a visualization of the events, the better off you will be in your recovery. Another step for injured partners. Realize that there's no absolute right or wrong in your choices regarding the sexual connection that you are now going to have with the person that betrayed you. Couples all the time say, well, you know, we want to have sex. Should we have sex or not? Or, I absolutely have no interest in sex. Am I supposed to have it anyway? I can't, as a therapist, sit there and go, well, here's the answer to that. Every case is different. Whether it's in regards to how long do we wait or how sexually involved we should be, you as the betrayed partner should be establishing the boundaries or no boundaries in that regard. If it feels comforting for you to be intimately and sexually involved, then I don't discourage that. I also prepare the couple to know that even after a sexual encounter, there may be pain that comes out. That can be part of the healing. But I don't think anybody has the right to say, you absolutely should or absolutely should not be sexually involved. Don't put too much pressure on yourself in regards to what's the right or wrong thing to do right now. Another step for injured partners, refrain from sex with a partner who is still involved with the affair partner. If the affair relationship is still going on, even if you're not sure whether they're still having sex or not, you need to establish sexual boundaries in your relationship. Avoid the tendency to think, well, if I have sex with them, then they'll desire me more. It's my way of to draw them back in. Don't get into a sexual contest. Respect and value yourself enough to state very clearly, I'm not going to be part of this comparison that's going on. You need to decide what you're going to do. And in the meantime, I'm establishing boundaries. And for now, sex is off the table. To be part of your healing, sex should occur within a recommitment to your safety and to the safety of your marriage or relationship. Another step for the injured partner, address trauma triggers through individual therapy. Whether you're being triggered with traumas that precede the affair or the traumas created by the affair, if you are finding yourself being stuck in that trauma weeks or months following discovery, I encourage you to get individual help. You've often heard Sharon talk about EMDR as a popular form of therapy that addresses this kind of trauma. Search it out, find someone you're comfortable with, and work through the trauma so that you can move forward. Another step, be willing to take small steps of risk as your partner earns your trust. If you are reluctant to engage sexually, don't wait until you feel absolute freedom to be fully engaged. That will probably take a long time. I'm not saying that you just need to jump in with a partner that you're not sure you trust again. Whether or not they're trying to earn your trust, your degree of trust does matter. But as trust begins to be established, within that context of re-earning of trust, begin taking steps 
of risk. And if the relationship can sustain itself as you take a step of risk and you process the results of that step, hopefully it will create a context in which you can gain a new level of comfort and be ready to take the next step of risk. For some couples, that first step of risk will simply be physical affection. For some, it can be cooperating in forms of sexual pleasure that avoid the more intimate acts that you've experienced before and leading up slowly to what's going to be satisfying and normal for the two of you. Another step, create reasonable expectations. If you had pre-affair sexual problems in your marriage or relationship, the previous problems don't just magically disappear. And if you're one of those couples who, after an affair, find a new level of renewed sexual energy and and connection, understand that that's likely going to last only for a little while. And as the felt need for rebonding diminishes, you're going to find yourself returning to what's going to be your normal. And if past problems have not been resolved, they're going to return. So be careful that you don't create an expectation for a new normal that is already beyond what you experienced before. A final step that I'll mention for injured partners, guard against using sex as a weapon or even a tool of manipulation in your relationship. It can be easy to do that if your ultimate goal is for healing and renewal, resist the inclination to use sex as a weapon. Now let's discuss some of the steps that the involved partner, the one who had the affair, can take. First of all, avoid giving explicit details regarding your sexual involvement with your affair partner. Now I know sometimes the betrayed partner is insisting on knowing those things. My strong encouragement would be to commit to truthfulness, but to strongly recommend that you have those conversations with someone that can guide you through it in a way that's going to protect your relationship and help you both moving forward. But I've been witness to some conversations in which the betrayed partner wasn't even asking, maybe didn't even want to know. And in the attempt to just be transparent and completely truthful, the involved partner just started regurgitating all these facts and details. And I could observe and watch the betrayed partner just recoiling, saying, that's too much. I don't want to know those things. So yes, be honest about how far things went in the affair. You don't have to try to hide that. But when it starts getting to levels of detail... Avoid giving explicit information. Second step for involved partners, gain insight into the ways that sex became a substitute for vulnerability and true intimacy in your relationships. Not all the time, but I would say most of the time, a primary drive in a sexual affair is that search for connection and for intimacy. And the argument that the involved partner often gives is, well, my my wife or my husband isn't connected with me anymore. Here's someone that I feel connection with, feels so natural, so normal. And yes, there's an emotional component to it, but that sexual component just energizes the affair to such a degree. And for most of those individuals, sex has become a substitute for intimacy. If that's true of you, part of the healing in your marriage is to begin experiencing the sexual connection with your partner in a new way. Don't insist on sex just because that makes you feel connected. The sexual intimacy should be an expression of something deeper than that. If this is confusing or unclear to you, you need to get help. Reading resources, going to a counselor. As you begin to understand what real connection to your partner is like and the things that get in your way of it, sex will begin to take a more proper place in your relationship. Also for the involved partner, 
Be patient. It's going to take time for your partner to heal. Do not be pressuring for sex on the other side of discovery or disclosure of your affair. Give it time. Let them be the one that's dictating to you what they want and need from you. And if there's a desire for sexual connection and intimacy, you can participate in that. But you should not be the one taking the lead in this regard. That brings me to the next step. Focus on your partner's needs first, emotional and physical. Whatever they're expressing in regards to their physical and sexual desires and needs, that should be your priority, not what you desire and need most of all. You acted selfishly in your affair. Now it's time to turn that focus to what your partner needs from you. A final step for involved partners, be willing to initiate sexual experiences even when your emotion isn't completely behind it. If you know that this is the direction that you want to go, if you know that the outcome of your healing is a renewal in the relationship with this person, just realize that there are going to be times when emotionally there's a lot going on. You're probably experiencing a lot more conflict in your relationship. There may be tethers of emotional attachment with your fair partner that you still have to deal with occasionally. If you are going to wait until your heart is just overflowing with a romantic love for your partner so that you engage with them sexually, I, I, you may be waiting a very long time. I think in a commitment to a certain outcome, with a clear vision of what healing looks for you and for your marriage, there can be physical and sexual engagement. Now let me talk about some steps for couples to take. I know there are a lot of resources out there for you to access. We'll be listing some of the ones I mentioned and maybe some others. Simply go to affairhealing.com slash podcast 403 and you'll see them there. But let me just mention a few. Let me start with this one. Focus first on issues related to clarity and cooperation in your relationship. Don't raise your sexual connection as a primary focus for recovery, either by using that as somehow the cause of the affair or the remedy for the affair. Focus first on clarity, knowing the truth about what happened, about why it happened, about what your common vision for the future is. And as that becomes firmly established and you agree on how you're going to cooperate moving forward, you create a context in which the consideration of sex becomes more productive. And that brings me to the second step. Eventually, explore the question, what can we bring into our marriage that would help us feel more connected and satisfied sexually? Don't be afraid to ask that question. It's an important one. Maybe it's one that you should have asked, you know, years ago. Well, now's the time to begin exploring. What changes can you make to your relationship that makes your sexual connection more satisfying to both of you. And finally, make use of resources. Couples counseling can certainly be helpful. I'm going to upload one exercise for couples who are beginning to explore what does sex mean to us? How can we make this better in our relationship? And it's just a series of conversations you can have that help you consider this. Don't use this as a couple if you're early into your recovery process. <laughs> use it if you've gotten to the point where this is an appropriate part of your discussion. I'll upload that exercise. We'll also give some book recommendations that may be of help to you. Well, I hope all of this has been beneficial to at least begin thinking how you might address this issue in your own relationship. If you would like to submit a question for a future check-in episode, call our voicemail hotline at 407-536-7398.
To schedule a private session with us, go to affairhealing.com slash coaching. This is Tim Tedder. Thank you for listening. Thank you.